Turn with me, please, if you would be so kind. I'm just pulling up my notes here. Just give me a second here. Um, let's just start there over in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Um, I'm not, that my purpose today isn't to break down all the original Greek words, but uh, just as a side note here, the job of the fivefold ministry is verse 12, which is to perfect you. That's why we say ministry is all about people, because the only reason I exist in an office is to perfect you. Do you understand? So if you don't come, I can't perfect you. But to perfect you means to complete you and to furnish you. Uh, that means if you move into a house and you've got no furniture, it doesn't feel like home. And if you aren't, the pastor's office and the word of God furnishes you. Without that, it's like you're in a house that's empty. You, you just have a scrap little here and a little tiny table over there. But, but the word of God through those offices furnish you so that your life is complete. It means in the Greek complete and furnished. That's why you need the offices. Because without it, you're not complete. You're not furnished. Now, I won't get into all the Greek, but, but I've, I've taught it before. But technically, the way this is written in English is not really the way it's, it's written in the Greek. In terms of... The job of the pastor, is, it sounds like it's saying my job is to perfect you and for me to do the work of the ministry and to edify the body of Christ, which is you. That's what it sounds like. And there is a measure of truth to that. But in the original language, it's not saying that. It doesn't say my job is to do the work of the ministry. In the Greek, it means my job is to train you to do the work of the ministry. It, so it's not like the emphasis is you, then me, and then you. That's how it sounds in English. The emphasis in the Greek is you and you and you. Because you are the subject matter because you are the person that's receiving the fivefold offices. Do you understand? So it's really uh, my job is to perfect you, furnish you so that you're complete in your life so that you can do the certain things in the ministry that need to be done, which would include healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils. It would include evangelism, winning souls, discipling people. It would include working in the local church. It would include ministry of helps. It would include all these different areas. That's all the work of the ministry. Now, I'm also doing the work of the ministry, yes, but it's not really as much about me. It's about the people that I'm perfecting, that there's something in the ministry for you to do. And the office will help get that over to you. God, through the fivefold offices, will teach you your part. You're not a bump on a log. You have a supply to bring. There's a, there's a, there's a need for you. Every one of you, no matter how idiosyncrasies you're, you know, some of you are got this issue, got that issue. Some of you are old, some of you are young, different skin colors. Who cares? They're just the bricks of the house. Some of you are rich, some of you are poor, some of you are highly educated, some of you aren't. You know, we have a wonderful man in this church that he can't read. I'm not going to tell you who he is, none of your business. But he came to confide to me. He said, Pastor, I'm illiterate. I can't read. I said, that's okay, brother. I said, we need your supply. He said, but I'm really good at doing this. And he is. And he makes money at doing that. But he can't read a word. 
And, and, but, you know, he's figured out a way to get around that handicap. And he has a job and he works and he does a good job and he gets paid. And, and I said, brother, there's areas that you can help us. I don't care if you can read. Amen. You can help us. You've got a supply to bring naturally and spiritually. You've got a supply to bring. And then there's other people here that have like, like Reverend Greg, a double masters, like others that have PhDs that are the most highly educated people around. Yet they have a supply to bring. And you know what? Just because they made different life choices than that man did, but that doesn't mean that they're more special, that they're more valuable than him. Their supply is different. What they can accomplish is different. God will use them in different ways, but that doesn't mean that their value is greater. God can use certain people more than others, but that doesn't mean they're more valuable. And sometimes God can use uneducated people more than educated people because they don't, their brain's not in the way. And their pride because of who they think they are is not in the way. Sometimes the, the simplest people, God can use the greatest. I'm not saying that's always the way, but you know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that no matter who we are, all the varied cultures, the varied educational backgrounds, the different kinds of jobs, you know, we have lawyers in the church, we have doctors in the church, we have truck drivers in the church, we have janitors in the church. They're all precious to Jesus and they all have a precious supply to bring. They've all got work in the ministry to do. I do the work of the ministry from one perspective, but in the Greek, it's talking about my job is to perfect you, to furnish you so that you're complete, to figure, help you figure out what you're anointed to do in the ministry so that the kingdom of God goes for it. I don't mean five-fold ministry where you're being paid or where you're preaching, but ministry is a much broader term than just that. And so that, what's the third thing? The perfecting, the work of the ministry, and the edifying, or to build up and encourage you. Listen, there is correction. Remember, Paul said to Timothy, you better rebuke, correct, exhort. You know, there were three, two out of three, 66% was spanking. So don't come to church always to be stroked because Paul taught his spiritual son, two thirds of you, your messages to them should be to correct them because the world is dark. Do you understand? There's a, there was a young man in our church recently that was saying to one of the leaders, I don't understand why everybody's so against homosexuality. Nothing's wrong with homosexuality. Well, he's, th- he's, he's a young man, a young teenager. And, and I know because last year, another young teenager at 13 years old, a totally different person, a young man came up to me and said, Pastor, I don't know why you're preaching against us. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. And so I, I'm looking, Berlin, at this and I'm saying, okay, Lord, this is what I'm up against. It's not just the older folks, it's the young ones. The young ones more, more than anybody. Because now their teachers are telling them and the, and the things in the hallway of their school are showing two men kissing. That's what's in their school. They told me that. They see two men French kissing and they pass that every day on the way to homeroom. That's because the demon possessed nut jobs in government. That's what they are. And they're going to go to hell if they don't repent. Because they are leading this generation into, into darkness and into sin. And they're teaching little small children that men French kissing is normal. And it's not. It's full of devils. I don't understand this nonsense. When I have 13 year olds questioning that homosexuality is okay in my church, Taylor, it shows me what I'm up against. It's not just the older folk that have their minds renewed. It's the young generation that are susceptible to this demonic assault and attack. Now, of course, I can't put this on the radio because Joy 1250 don't let you talk about gay people anymore. No, they don't let me. 
They said at first, you can. I said, nice things too. Jesus loves you, blah, blah, blah. And then even that they're saying, I can't put it. Now anything about that, I have to take off. Because they're so afraid of lawsuits. They're so afraid of getting shut down by the CRTC that now you can't even say it in a loving way. Oh my God, we're in a... You can't stop live stream. We do love them. We're not against the person. We love the person. Their person is just as special to God as I am or you are. And they're precious people. But, the, but that unrepentant lifestyle is forbidden in God's word. So the 13-year-old that said that, Taylor, doesn't know God's word. And maybe we should, and I hold back from talking about it because of the pressure out there. There's so much pressure out there in terms of getting in trouble with people that watch, having lawsuits. There's so much pressure. That's why I should only say it when the Spirit of God prompts me to say it. And we have to always, because it's the heart of Jesus, never in a demeaning way, never in an attacking way, never in a hurting, hurtful way, but simply to say, if you're a liar, the Bible says you're going to go to hell. If you're a nice old granny that makes pies for the orphan children, but you're not born again, you're going to go to hell. Jesus preached about hell. There's a real place. Kenneth Hagin went there. At 15, and he had been water baptized in the Baptist church. And he was on the bed of sickness. Remember at the very beginning of his, of his para, paralytic thing, when the thing and his heart stopped at the very beginning. In fact, the first day that he became bedridden, he went to hell. He died. And his spirit descended down. Oh my God, read it. It's a little book called I Went to Hell. Just about, take you about 10 minutes to read. It will, sh- it will, it'll curl your toes is what it will do. Give you a free pedicure. Praise God. Some of you wig people, it will, it will automatically color the hair and repermit. Just, just read that book. You don't even need to go to that lady. Just, just read the book. And he come down to that entrance and he was on a conveyor belt looking like thing and he couldn't stop and he wanted to stop and he could see the cavern and he could feel the heat and he could see the flames and he saw this evil demon spirit that was and was reaching to take control. Take it. And he said, I knew that if he touched me and he led me into that cave, I would never come out. And I'm saying, but God, I'm baptized. But God, I'm baptized. But God, I'm baptized in water. I'm a Baptist. And he was going to hell. Because you can be a Baptist, but that doesn't make you a Christian. And you can come to this church, and that doesn't make you a Christian. And you can read the books, and that doesn't make you a Christian. Unless you've confessed the lordship of the Jesus Christ and made him your personal savior and said, Lord, wash me. I come into covenant with you. I call upon your name. I confess that I'm a sinner, but you become my savior today. Unless you do that, you can be baptized as many times as you want. You can be baptized until you get chlorine poisoning. You're not going to heaven. And so God, God, he's there. He's there going in the thing and he hears a voice. It's not English. I don't know. There was no interpretation like Happy's church. There was no interpretation. There was no interpretation, but he heard a voice come from heaven. God himself spoke. My God, a deep, strong, loud voice. And that voice said whatever it said. And that thing moved away from him and he said it felt like somebody put a suction cup on his back and he felt his whole being sucked out of that 
out of the underworld. And he saw coming up, 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 and he saw the lights of the world, and he, and he come right back unto, up, up through the floor into, into his bedroom, and through his mouth, his spirit came back into his body and picked up the sentence that he left off when he died. And he said, Lord, <laughs> can you imagine? A little while later, within minutes, his heart stops again and he descends down a second time. The same experience yeah. happens. But I'm a Baptist and I've been water baptized. And the thing starts to lead him in and he knows if he goes, he'll never come back. And he hears the voice a second time and he feels a suction cup and it pulls him back out and he comes back again. Praise God. I think that one, if I remember correctly, was through his feet. But his spirit came back, picked up the sentence where he left off. You don't know, you don't realize how much your, your spiritual realm is real. You can't speak if you don't have a spirit. That's why my dog, Ollie, he just looks at me. He wants to say, give me bacon, but he can't say it because he don't have no spirit. Praise God. I'm serious. But you say, but the donkey in the Old Testament, did he have a spirit? No, you fool. He's just a donkey. God did the working of miracles to let that donkey speak. And the rooster, when the man of God was going to be murdered, and the rooster walked in and said, they're coming up the driveway, run! <laughs> the rooster walked in, looked at him, and said, they're coming up the driveway to kill you, run! And he jumped out the window and ran! <laughs> that rooster didn't have elocution lessons. That rooster didn't have a spirit. That was the working of miracles, and God can do that. Listen, God can, if God can make a donkey confess, maybe God is, is hope for some of you. <laughs> Remember Nehemiah 2.18? We will say, we will arise and build the confession. I'll do my part. Some of them, they need the working of miracles to get them to say it. Hallelujah. Praise God. But when he come up, he heard a loud noise. He might say his mother this, his mother that. She didn't name him what God said, da, 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 da. But that woman is the responsibility for the whole reason that Rhema exists. Thank God for his precious mother. His mother didn't understand probably nothing about faith. He didn't even understand faith. But when she saw her boy dead, she started to call upon the name of the Lord. She hadn't met David Hogan. Yeah. David Hogan wasn't born yet. She hadn't heard how to raise the dead in the six steps or seven steps or whatever, how many steps, there aren't no steps. But she didn't, she didn't know about the power gifts. She couldn't name them and tell me where they're found in the Bible. She didn't know nothing about nothing about nothing. She just saw Kenneth is dead and she started to call upon the name of God in her own sim simplistic heart, but from a full heart. You know, I've been right on the street. I've, been, I've stood right in front of his house and, then, and the lady came to, you know, anyway. You shouldn't stand in front of people's houses that you don't know and stare. And then I got out and walked on the lawn. <laughs> I wound up walked on the porch and Jenny saying, get back, get back. Shut up, woman. Shut up. I'm here with them. This is where Kenneth Hagin was raised from the dead. I'm coming here. I don't care. But you got to be careful because sometimes you're a stranger and people don't know you. So I quickly went back to the car and rode away quickly. Well, even on that street now, there's very little traffic. It's just a quiet neighborhood. Can you imagine in 1932, I think it was? Can you imagine the amount of traffic on that street if today it's very quiet? Yeah. They've probably never seen a car before. Yeah. Maybe one goes by in a week. I don't know. 
But you know, she was crying to God so loud for her son that there was a traffic jam outside their house. The cars stopped. How many cars? There's not that many cars. But whatever the cars were there, Taylor, they stopped because Mrs. Hagen was screaming so loud. The whole neighborhood, all the homes could hear her screaming. And not screaming in fear, screaming to raise her son from the dead. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing to me. And that's what God didn't do it because he liked Kenneth Hagin more than you. God did it because of her. Yeah. He can't be a respecter of persons. He loves Kenneth Hagin. He had a great plan for his life, but he would have gone to hell if it wasn't for his mother. Yeah. But she called on God with all the faith that she had. And God honored her prayer and God sucked him out and sucked him out. And when he come in there and he went down a third time. Three experiences, Sandy. My God, can you imagine the fear? He goes down a third time and he's still saying, Lord, why, why? I don't belong here. I don't deserve this. And he's down there again. And that grotesque demon wants to take care of his, take hold of his arm and lead him into the cavern. And he know he'll never come out if he goes in. And again, the suction cup. But the third time he wised up. And on his way back up, <laughs> on his way back up to earth, he's saying, Lord, obviously baptism don't save me. I confess the Lord Jesus as my Savior. And he's getting saved as he's being sucked back into the earth. And as he came back into his body, he picked up the sentence, what he was saying as he was coming through the atmosphere, which was confessing Jesus as Lord. And he got born again. And, and, and to a measure, not fully, but to a measure, God healed him enough so that he didn't die again. Otherwise, he would have just kept dying. Do you understand? But he, but he knew, he thought he was going to die again. He didn't know that that was over. But he said, I just, I'm ready now, Lord. And he thought, he actually said he lay there for some time expecting to die. But he said, I'm ready to go to heaven. I now know what it means to be born again. Are you, are you born again this morning? I sure hope you are. And if you're not, you better not leave the threshold of this church till you get born again. Because you don't want to play games with your eternity. And your mama may not be screaming on the porch. And if you go down there, you may never come back. In fact, you probably won't. Unless somebody's calling out for you. I don't know on earth why I'm saying that, but I think somebody needed to hear it. What on earth had that to do with Ephesians 4, Taylor? I don't know. Anyway, I just know that somebody needed to hear that. Maybe somebody watching needed to hear that. I don't know. So the perfecting, my job is, is you give, you've been given pastors, all the other five offices to perfect you, to furnish you, to let you know what your supply is in the body of Christ. And... To encourage you. Oh, that's what I was talking about. Well, I still don't know any, what that had to do with anything. But still, I know where I, was, where, I, where I got off the main road onto the trail. But that was a good trail. Yeah. And that was, uh, you know, 66% is correction yeah. oriented, right? Yeah. According to what Paul taught Timothy. But, but still, here it says that my job is to edify you. So if you're only ever corrected, you never want to come back. Although 66 technically could be correction. But my job is to edify you. Edify you isn't always correcting. Edify you is to build you up. Edify you is to let you know, Taylor, you might have messed up in this or that. I've messed up too, but there's hope. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're, you're sick over here. You can be healed. Amen. You're having trouble in your marriage. We can, God can restore it. Yeah. You don't know how to be led by the Spirit. You can learn. Yeah. You're on your way to hell. You can get saved. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's good news. Yeah. Praise God. So the job here is to edify you. Now watch now, till we all come in the unity of the faith. 
My job is going to exist until the rapture because it's going to take a long time to get you perfected, knowing your supply and being built up. What? And then I do that until what? Until we all come in the unity of the faith, all, the whole body, come into the unity of the faith. That's going to take some time. And the knowledge of the Son of God, knowing the Word, unto a perfect man, so I'm here until you're perfect, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Nobody ever reaches these things in this earth. Do you understand? You don't get this till you get to heaven. So the, the fivefold ministry is here until you reach perfection, but you never reach perfection, which means the fivefold ministry is always here because you reach perfection when you get to heaven. That's what Paul's trying to say. You always need a pastor. You always need a church. You don't just need me. You need Pastor Nancy. You need Brother Richard. You need the evangelist. You need the prophet. You need the apostle. You need the teacher. You need all the offices because if you don't get a balance of them, you won't become furnished and complete. You won't know your supply in the ministry and you won't be edified. And you won't grow to the perfection of the stature of Christ, which is a lifelong experience, but we're learning and we're growing a little bit more every day. Now watch this now, verse 14, that is all still connected to those five offices, that we henceforth be no more children. That means spiritually immature, not physical children. So if you have, if you don't have a fivefold office or offices, you'll be stay spiritually immature. But the reason you have them is so that you are no longer children. Grow up. Grow up. When you're losing your temper the same way you did 15 years ago, grow up. When you're yielding to sexual temptation the same way you did 20 years ago, grow up. You know what I'm saying? When you're still thinking the thoughts you were thinking a year ago, grow up. You're not supposed to stay the same. You're supposed to grow up so you're no longer a spiritual child. The reason I'm here is to help furnish you, have you know your supply, encourage you, so that you become perfect, which takes a lifetime, and so that you're no longer babies. Amen. Amen. And now not only babies spiritually, but watch when you are a baby, what happens, Sandy? Toss to and fro and carried away with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men being taken advantage of, cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. When you're a spiritual baby, you are all over the map. You are scattered. You don't understand this. You're beating the air. You're running after every voice. You're reading everything on the internet. You're listening to all the speakers out there. You're a baby. Grow up. You, the fastest way to get confused is search the internet. The fastest way to mess up your mind is listen to every Tom, Dick, and Harry theologian out there and what they have to say because they'll talk you out of being in a church. There's a whole large group that don't even believe in church anymore. I've lost minister friends that I've loved for years because they don't believe in the local church. There's groups out there that don't believe in tithing and are very vocal about it. There are groups out there that believe that now it doesn't really matter. They're, they're taking scriptures and trying to interpret them differently to say that you don't need to have one wife. That it's okay for men to have multiple wives and it's okay because they're perverts. And that doesn't even count the group that's trying to say that transgender homosexuals is all fine. The fastest way to get confused and to be tossed by every doctrine, wind, and the cunning craftiness, they're going to deceive you. 
if you're a spiritual baby, you listen to that nonsense. But if you're, if you're growing up in Christ, you listen to the one and the group that God, who are fivefold offices, offices that he's assigned to you. You don't listen to every voice. You listen to the ones he assigned you. Stop listening to every preacher. Listen to the ones he has assigned you because there is safety in the assignment. He's assigned me to you. I'm far from perfect, but there's safety. He's assigned Pastor Nancy to you because he assigned her to me. He's assigned other ministers to you because he assigned them to me. He assigned Dad Hagen to you because he assigned him to me. Listen to them and stop listening to the nonsense. You're acting like a baby and you will get separated. It's only a matter of time because you're going to so confuse yourself. And so you understand, you stay with your company. When Peter was from prison, he went to his company. He didn't just go somewhere where we're all believers. He went to the ones where he fit. You with me? Don't be a baby tossed. Speaking the truth in love. Now watch now, that you may grow up into him in all things which is that grow up grow up grow up in Christ how do I know if I've grown up because I don't think the same way I thought last year I don't do the same things I did last year I still got some things what's the little kid on the street corner read all about it what's it extra extra read all about it pastor Craig still does some things he did last year of course because I'm human but I'm trying to grow up myself. But your newspaper clipping on extra, extra, read all about it, the things that you're doing, the same tailor that you did last year, should be somewhat small. It shouldn't be a 19-page small typeface of every, because you did nothing different. God shouldn't have to read your newspaper for an hour and finally get to the end and go, oh, Jesus. And Jesus looked back and said, I know, I know, Father, I know, I know. Why is that Jesus? Which would never happen because he knows everything. Well, it's because they left the church and they're just on the internet all the time. So they're listening to everybody. They're totally confused. And there's no change. No, they're not growing up. There's no change in their life. They're not different. They're not, they're not being perfected to the fullness of Christ. They're just listening and they're babies and they're just tossed and they're being deceived. And that's why the newspaper is as long this year, Father, and it'll probably be longer next year. I'm serious. Whatever things that God reads about me that I haven't grown up in, I'm hoping the list is getting smaller, not longer. Do you understand? <sighs> Hallelujah. Okay. Now, look at verse 16. This is all still why you have a pastor from whom the whole body, fitly joined, fitly joined. You see, you fit. You don't fit everywhere, but you fit where God called you. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. You don't fit everywhere, but you fit where God called you, in the church that God called you. Fitly joined together and compacted, that speaks of you being the body, but you're fitly joined where God's called you, and you're in unity, you're compacted, by which every joint brings a supply. So you're here in unity, fitting, okay? But you're bringing the supply that God's called you to bring. Now, what is that supply? It's according to the effectual working of the measure of every part. You have an effectual working of a measure, and you have a different effectual working of a measure. And you have a certain measure, Perlin, and you have a certain measure. And you can only bring the supply according to your measure. Some of you bring more faith than others. Some of you bring more serving than others. Some of you bring more finances than others. Find your effectual working of your measure and bring your supply, because every joint brings a supply. But you've got to be in the right fit, and you've got to be in unity. 
fit and compacted, bringing a supply according to the measure of your part. And what happens? It makes increase of the body. It makes increase of the local church. When everybody brings their supply, things get better. When everybody brings their supply, the love walk is stronger. People in the parking lot are more kind to each other. When everybody brings their supply, there's actually donuts there that we can eat because they have sugar in them. Because that was their supply. They're a good baker. Don't bring your supply if you don't know how to bake. Because of your supply, the carpet is vacuumed. The trees are straight. We have okay graphics, and they're on the improvement. Praise God. Because of somebody's supply, you're not sweating like a hog this morning because we have air conditioning. Somebody had to check that air conditioning. Somebody last week when the air conditioning vents got blocked and we had leaks in four different places in the church, somebody had to bring a supply to fix that. Did you even know that happened? No, because it's not your measure of a supply. But maybe you prayed for something that that person fixing the AC didn't pray for, but you brought your supply in prayer. And some of you made an extra few thousand dollars and you brought your $300 tithe check and you brought a supply. Hallelujah. Some of you brought a supply because you just told Taylor he just looks so darn handsome. And that was a supply to him because he was crying before service saying nobody likes him. And I was encouraging him and saying, you're right, nobody does like you. But I like you, Jesus likes you, and we make a majority, Brother Taylor. But your wife likes you too, so it's four of us. I don't know about your mother and your sister, but the four of us, we like you. So some of you, just a word of encouragement is your supply. Praise God. Now, all of us are supposed to tithe, you understand? All of us are supposed to do certain things, but we all have an effectual working. So I'm trying to say my job as a pastor and the other five-fold offices is to help furnish you, figure out what your supply is, encourage you so that you grow up into a perfect man, which will take your whole life so that you're not a baby, not tossed around and deceived, but that you grow up in Christ, bring your supply in your fit, stay in unity because it will cause increase to the local church. Amen. Amen. My God. Hallelujah. Woo, glory. I want increase in this body. I don't want us to stumble around. I want us to increase. So let me say this. What's the time? 1137. We might end early because I never got to the first point of my sermon. This was my introduction that I wrote on the front row that I thought that'll be a good introduction. And I didn't even get into the message, but that's okay because we do have next week. There's very, very shallow amens. It makes me nervous when I say we have next week and six people say amen. (laughs) And all of them were staff members. (laughs) Oh, God, help us. You don't count if you're staff. You're paid to be here. I'm talking the other people have to say amen. We have next week. We always have more. Praise God. But I want to make a statement to you. That's the reason. It's Pastor Nancy's fault. Most things that happen in this church are Pastor Nancy's fault. Okay? Because, you know what I'm saying? Because she just messes me up. Praise God. And then, and then I get in trouble. It's not her fault. It's my fault. But anyway, the reason I said all that was because of one little statement that she made off the cuff. One statement from her can change a whole sermon. I'm telling you. She's dangerous, that woman. You ought to watch how much you listen to her because she'll just take you on a, on a journey. She don't even mean to. I just love her so much. But she made a statement uh, to a group of ministers recently that she was doing an online teaching with. And I was in the group and she said, uh, she said, you know, pastors, some of the people in your congregation, you've probably heard them say, oh, it's Jesus and me. It's Jesus and me. It's all about me and Jesus. And she made a statement and it's a right statement. 
Yes, it's all about Jesus and you only when it comes to your redemption. Because nobody can save you but him. But it is not Jesus and you only when it comes to your maturing. Because Jesus cannot mature you on his own and he is not going to try because he didn't create a system where he matures you personally. All of this is about maturing. You being furnished, that's maturing. You finding your supply, that's maturing. You being encouraged, that's maturing. You growing up unto a perfect man, that's maturing. You not being a baby anymore, tossed and deceived, but growing up in Christ, that's maturing. You coming into your fit in unity with your supply according to the measure of your part, that's maturing. Did you notice that none of that was about Jesus? All of that was about the five offices that Jesus gave to the church. Which means you can, now listen, don't get me wrong. You can sit at home with your Bible, study your Bible, and Jesus direct by the Holy Ghost will help mature you with your own Bible study. I'm not knocking that, and you should be doing that seven days a week. But there are certain things that you will not learn and that you will not see because it's just not the system God created on your own. It's not just you and Jesus, it's you and Jesus' salvation, and it's you and Jesus and the body of Christ and fivefold ministers for maturing. Because without the five offices, you don't mature. So we have a lot of people that are immature in the body, not in this church, but in the body of Christ. There's a lot of people that just say, I don't need a church. I don't need, and they go attack the, the thing. Well, you're just a, a Constantine. Constantine set up these things in 333 AD, and you're just a Constantine thing. And, and, they, and they get, they, the train's already left, and they're at the station. They, they think they're on the train. They missed the whole point. It's not about Constantine. It's not about whether we should be in a building or a field. There's one minister that he left the whole thing. He lost his whole ministry because he got into this weird thought process that buildings are evil. And then he tried to meet in homes and then he tried to meet in fields and he lost everything. Because not everybody wants to go to your home. And not everyone wants to go to a field. There's nothing wrong with the building. The building is not sacred. The building is a gathering place. They missed the whole boat, Taylor. They're against this church organized thing because they think it's just a money racket and the thing is pastors just controlling people, but they missed the boat because the boat is not about that. The boat is not about the physical building. The boat is not about any of that. You know what it's all about? It's about you learning to walk in the spirit. Amen. The entire New Testament is you learning to be a spiritual individual and learning God's thoughts, learning God's ways, learning to think like God, to speak like God, to act like God, to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Taking Kenneth Hagin told us the entire theme of the New Testament is walking in the Spirit. You can't learn the walking in the Spirit completely on your own. Because it's maturing and you have to have the five offices because Jesus said, I'll save you. And to a measure, yes, I'll directly mature you, but you can't run your race fully without those five offices because they are given to you as a gift. So treat them like a gift, not as trash. And this church does treat it as a gift. I don't have to preach about that because you already do. But treat them as a gift because they're a gift. They're not trash. There's something special. There's something to be tried and treasured because through that office, as imperfect as they are human and naturally, and they make mistakes, but through the office they stand in comes maturing so that you can learn to walk in the spirit. You take the local church out of that equation and people won't be matured. Do you understand? Now, let's go a little deeper. You take out of that equation the pastor's office and you leave the other offices, you won't be matured. 
Because Kenneth Hagin said the pastor's office is not the highest anointing or the most dramatic anointing, but the most valuable anointing. Prophets and apostles and evangelists have much more dramatic manifestations and miraculous and all these things, but they're, they're very pigeonholed. They're specialists, like a doctor that specializes in cancer. But a pastor is an MD. A pastor deals with your, your regular checkup. A pastor deals with everything, but the specialist is the evangelist that deals with one group. And the prophet speaks to, you see, these are specialized giftings, but the pastor is the general gift. Why? It's the most valuable, not the most dramatic, because without the pastor, you won't be balanced. And like the people that follow David Hogan around, the David Hogan wannabes, right? Remember, Remember that time? And the Lord said, I'm not healing those three. And he showed me the three of them, and they're crying and wailing a whole lot. And she's dying of cancer. She's not healed. The Lord told me, I'm not healing them. Now, God's not that he doesn't love them. He said, because I've been telling them over and over and over again, humble yourself and submit to a local church. And they refuse and they follow David everywhere he goes. David's an apostle. He's not a pastor. Okay? Now, you can have apostles that are pastors because Lester Sumrall was an apostle and he also pastored for a season. Do you understand? You don't normally find prophets that pastor because they blow the whole thing up. So that's why when Pastor Nancy stepped from pastoring into prophet, she had to quit pastoring because you can't mix those two. They're oil and water. But an apostle, you can mix with pastoring. That's why Lester Sumrall for years was a pastor and an apostle. There were times where he was only an apostle, but you can mix apostle and pastoring. That's why God lets me do this because in that apostle's office, I, it can, I, it, this works. But in other offices, this doesn't work. You can't really have an evangelist and a pastor either. Because it just doesn't work. It's oil and water. It doesn't work. A teacher and a pastor, they, they work closely together. But my point is, what was I saying, Taylor? See, Taylor, you better. What was that, Taylor? Speak up, brother. I can't hear you. <laughs> oh, people David Hogan. David Hogan. The, the, they're following the apostle, and that is a fivefold office. And the fivefold office is a gift. But because they don't have the balanced teaching of a pastor and the submission and the humility to come and be faithful in a local church, God's been trying to get it over to them and over to them and over to them, but their pride keeps them out. And even though they're submitting to an office, it's not the right office. Yeah, that's right. Do you understand? Submitting to an office does not really matter if it's the wrong office. You are not told to submit to any office except the pastor. And I can prove it to you from the Greek language in multiple verses. And that whole thing where it talks about church government, that's all the pastors. It's got nothing to do with the other five offices. And the whole thing where it says in Hebrews 13 that, that they must give an account for you and submit yourselves unto them and rule over you, that is 100% the pastor. It's none of the other four offices. And I can prove it to you from the Greek. You don't find one reference anywhere in the New Testament, if you studied in the original language, where the other four offices are mentioned for you to submit to. Yeah. Not one. It's not in there. Because you're not supposed to submit to a prophet. You're supposed to submit to a pastor. The only ones that are allowed to submit to someone that's not a pastor are ministers. A minister, I'm a minister. I have to still submit to somebody, but they're not always a pastor. But my one I submit to used to be a pastor is now a prophet. So I said to her in front of some other ministers last year, I said, I said, mom, I said, you know, does it bother you that we still call you pastor because you're not a pastor anymore? And, and so maybe we shouldn't be saying pastor, but I said to say prophet Nancy just sounds plain weird. It sounds like some of those denominations that I give a wide berth to. Everyone's a prophetess this and a prophetess that. And I said, it just sounds nuts to me to say that, but I'll say it if you want me to say it. She goes, oh God, no, don't call me prophetess, please. 
She says, you call me pastor. I said, but you're not a pastor. I don't want to call you something that you're not. She said, I'm a pastor to you. And she is. She's not a pastor to the people, but she pastors me. So I, as a minister, can submit to somebody in a different office, but you as a congregation member, there's not one place in the Bible that allows you to do that. That's why people that watch Kenneth, Kenneth Copeland, as much as I love Kenneth Copeland, uh, and they watch him more than they come to church. You're going to get, you're going to get skewed. You're going to get off. And it's not because I don't love Kenneth Copeland. I love him and highly esteem him and respect him. But certain things, certain emphasis in his ministry is not geared to the local church. So the reason Dad Hagen is so safe with us is because while he, he was a pastor for 12 years, but then all the rest of his 40, 58 years of ministry, he wasn't a pastor. He was a prophet and a teacher. But the reason he's so safe, even though 58 years, Victoria, he wasn't a pastor, is he always put the emphasis on the local church and the pastor. He always put the focus. He never put the focus on conventions. He never put the focus on the other four offices. He always drew the people's attention, of course, to the word and to doctrine, but he always talked about get into a church, be faithful to a church, submit to a pastor. Why did the foremost prophet of the generation who was the most balanced and the most loved why? Because Jesus told him in one of the, I believe in one of the visions, Jesus said, in the last days, I'm raising up strong local churches. Don't do anything that hurts the local church, Amen. which means don't do anything that hurts the pastor. So he constantly was affirming and building up and drawing people's attention. Be faithful to the local church. God is raising up strong local church, not strong conventions. Come on. Strong local churches. Go to the convention and have a dab of a time and enjoy yourself and dance and give and go and buy everything in the bookstore. Go as a supplement, but that is not your church. And don't tithe because that is not the place that you are regularly fed. Give them offerings, bless them abundantly, but your tithe comes to where you are fed. It's the storehouse where you are fed on a rate. And you're not fed in conventions and you're not fed on the internet. In our society now, Jessica, we have, we have, it's becoming this all this stuff, this internet, this technology is such a blessing and such a curse at the same time. Because before you, if you didn't go to church, you couldn't. Yeah. You either had to go to a convention or you had to go to a church service. But other than that, you're on your own. You read a book, you listen to a tape. But now you can just hide away at home and you've got internet and videos of everything in the world. And why do I need to go to church? I've got everything on the screen because you missed the boat. It's not just about you feeding wide. It's not, you'll get confused. It's about the pastor, the balance of the gospel that has to come into your life and God's going to have you submit to one. He's not going to have you to submit to a prophet or to an apostle or to an evangelist or to a teacher. He's going to have you submit to a pastor in a local church because he's making strong local churches. Get extra feeding from others. But don't, don't vary your feeding too much. You'll confuse yourself. But focus on the one that he gave you, which is the local church. So I know because, you know, can I say why I'm saying this? I won't say who, obviously. But last week I was praying and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and he showed me a picture of somebody in my congregation. And he said it to me right there. Why did he say it to me? To embarrass the person? No. But to pray. That's my job is to pray. I do a lot more praying than I'll ever do preaching. I preach for a couple hours a week. I pray a lot more than that. My job is to pray. My job is to stand and watch for you in the spirit. Yeah. 
And the Lord brought this person up before me. And the Lord said to me, this person watches Kenneth Copeland more than she comes to church. I said, oh, Lord. And he said, and she's getting off in doctrine in one area. I won't say the area because it's not my place to say. But in one area, because Brother Copeland is awesome and I highly respect him, but not everything I'm in agreement with. And his emphasis is not the local church. And that alone is dangerous. But we take him because he has so much to bring the body of Christ. And you don't throw a relationship away. You don't throw a minister away because there's a little discrepancy in a couple different areas. Because in general, he's a safe and an authentic minister. But, he, but he, his focus is not the local church. It never has been. And you better be careful because that could pull you away. And when the Lord said they're listening to him more than they're coming to your church, he said, you better pray for them or they're going to separate. It doesn't matter who the great names are. It matters who God called you That's to good. submit to in person. If Kenneth Copeland doesn't have your number, then you're not submitted to him. If he doesn't call you on your cell phone, you're not submitted to him. Do you understand? And you're not because you're not, you're not even allowed scripturally to be submitted to a prophet. You have to be submitted to a pastor. So I have your number and I might call you tomorrow. And I might not, but I'll be praying for you whether I call you or not. But I got all your numbers, believe me. They're all in my phone. Sometimes I just scroll down at two in the morning and just say, Lord, who can I put a prank on now? Just, and I just do the list like this. It goes, and I say, Lord, just lead me by, just lead me by the Holy Ghost. And I just put a name and I say, I just call, let it ring three times, then hang up. But I don't do it because that would be wrong. <laughs> but I must say, I think about it. <laughs> but I don't. But I got your number. I can call you because I'm your pastor. That's who you work with. But you see, nobody can say to me, Pastor Nancy's a minister can't say to me, I submit to Pastor Nancy if Pastor Nancy don't call you. Pastor Nancy don't know you. She don't know your name and she don't call you and she don't slap you and correct you and feed you and love you and hug you. She ain't, she ain't over you. And people say, oh, Brother Copeland, that's a bunch of hogwash. Don't know them from Adam. Pastor Nancy, he's got her number. He calls her. He corrects her. He loves her. He hugs her. He feeds her. So she is submitted to Brother Copeland because he knows her. Yes. Yes. And I am submitted to her because she knows me. And ministers can submit to non-pastors, but sheep can only submit to pastors. So you're not, you're not being, so stop this nonsense talk I hear. Brother Copeland's my mentor. What are you stupid? He's not your mentor. There is no such thing as mentor in the New Testament. Show me where it says mentor. That's true. Oh, he's my armor bearer. Don't give me that garbage <laughs> armor bearer nonsense. All these people with these weirdo terms. Well, he's my coach. He's not your coach. He's a prophet of God. I'll show him the honor that he is due and worthy of. Don't call him a coach and a mentor. He's a prophet. And he's a prophet to the body. He's not a prophet to you. And we learn from prophets and apostles. We learn from them because they're given as gifts to us as a body. But you don't submit to the prophet. You submit to the pastor because you're part of a sheepfold. Then pastors of the sheepfold submit to those that are over them, which are of the higher offices. Now, I'm just trying to teach you how the body of Christ works because some people still talk this crazy talk like they're buddies with this person and buddies with that person. And it's just it's so annoying because I know that they're not. And they're getting their focus off what they should be doing. What you should be doing is being faithful. Yes, listen and learn and have supplements. But that doesn't replace submission to a local church. That doesn't replace being under a pastor. That doesn't replace growing up in Christ and stop being a baby by those five-fold offices. I can't teach you everything. Copeland will help mature you. 
Brother Hagen will help mature you in certain areas. They'll all help mature you, but you don't, you're not submitted to them because they're not a pastor. Sub, the pastor feeds you daily. Amen. Listen to them in the car, but come to get the, the in-person impartation. Yes. Because we're part, of, we're part of a vision here. We're doing something in this church. We're not just beating the air blindly. There's a vision that we're working toward. I haven't even preached all the vision. You don't even know all the vision, but God has been revealing it to me in this Hebron year a lot. There's great days ahead. There's great days coming. There's miracles, signs, and wonders on the horizon. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. Hold fast. Hold fast with me. Grow up. Praise God. Grow up. You need Jesus to save you, but you need the offices to mature you. And you need one office in particular to truly mature you. Did that help a little bit today? It wasn't really what I planned, but I'll get to what I planned next week. Heavenly Father, I bless them. I thank you for them. Lord, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir because I'm looking out at the people and everybody that I'm seeing is faithful. Everybody that I'm seeing is, is honorable. Everybody that I'm seeing loves the local church that I can tell and they're faithful to the local church, at least what I can tell. So Lord, I'm not really sure why you had me preach this, but maybe something needed to come into them to solidify some things, to reinforce some things, to bring a little bit more revelation in their hearts about the importance of growing up and about the importance of being a part of a family. So Lord, I thank you that you fed them, you fed them some this morning. You aided them a little bit. Lord, they need, they need this body of Christ around them if they're going to mature. We want them to mature. We don't want them continuing to be a baby. We want them to grow up in Christ. We want them not to be deceived, but to become perfect in the full stature. And Lord, we want them to know their supply. We want them to be encouraged. Praise God. We want them to be well furnished in their spiritual house. We want beautiful amenities all around them. Like a natural house has, has, has uh, ornaments and tables and chairs and beautiful. Lord, we want their spiritual house to be adorned with revelation on this and revelation on that. We want them to be well furnished and complete. But it comes, that maturing doesn't just come from Jesus. It comes from the gifts that Jesus gave. And particularly the gift of the pastor is is so important. So I thank you for them, Lord. And I bless you and I praise your holy name in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.